God's example. Or in some of your versions, if you're reading another version of the Bible, it may say, be imitators of God. Follow God's example or be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a, fla- as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 8. Those verses that I skipped talk about the life lived in Christ that is, is avoiding of sexual immorality, that it avoids greed, that avoids um, selfishness, that begins to, to mimic God, mimic the, the character of God. Now, verse 8, it says, For once you were in darkness, but now you are, li- you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, giving, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends and sisters, may God add his blessing here to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that our hearts would extend to you with, with gratitude and, and openness to your Holy Spirit. That as we sing our songs of praise, as we gather in these moments of worship, your Holy Spirit would rest upon us and speak to our hearts. We pray now in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. So we were at dinner. This was actually a few weeks ago when I say we. It was Tony and I and Ryan and Cassidy. And um, I'm sure we were misbehaving because we're apt to do that when we're out uh, to eat together and, and telling stories and cutting up a little bit. And, uh, and uh, honestly, I don't remember the, the conversation. I don't exa- remember exactly what I said or what the, the context was. I just remember that in a moment, in the midst of our joking and teasing and laughing, uh, Cassie looked at me and she said, Dad... You remember what you said? TMI. (laughs) TMI. I don't know what I said, but she said, I've heard this before. This wasn't the first time. TMI. Now, if you don't know, what's TMI stand for? Too much information. Most of us probably know that if you don't know. Or there's another version of that, which is WTMI, which is way too much information. Exactly. When you take it to another level. Now, again, most of us are probably familiar with the, the, the term, but if you're not, you're certainly I'm familiar with the experience. At some point in your life, I think, we've all had somebody share something that we went, I didn't need to know that. I really didn't need to know. It's the, the co-worker that wants to tell you all about his rash. You know, that kind of a thing. Um, in, in ministry, you, you, and in all of life, but in ministry I've encountered this in a lot of times, a lot of places where people just kind of entrust me with things, which I'm grateful and humbled by, but they don't always have to trust me with everything. Uh, I, I, walked, I, I remember walking the unit at a hospital in Durham, North Carolina, 
uh, in a, a chaplain's robe, which looked like a doctor's robe. I've, I've shared before that we wore white robes in the chaplaincy program. They looked just like a doctor's robe, except a doctor's robe was longer. Now, who really knows the difference between the length of a robe? And this woman called me, and she's like, come here, i got to tell you something. And I walked in, and I was like, and I told her. I said, uh, no, she said to me, I'm sorry, she said, are you a doctor? And I said, no, I'm a chaplain. And you ever have somebody ask you a question where you know that the answer to the question makes no difference in how they're about to respond? This was one of those times, and it didn't really matter. And she began to explain to me her illness and her symptoms. And let me just sell, tell you, it had to do with um, her intestines and her bowels, and it wasn't a pleasant conversation. And she told me all about it. And I finally had to stop her. No lie. She started to hike up her, her skull. TMI. This is where we're talking to the chaplain. I'll pray for you. I don't need to see it. Um, but it was one of those kind of conversations that stood out. I, I remember as a kid going, um, sometimes TMI happens in conversation. Sometimes it happens in experience, things you see. Uh, we used to go down, my brothers and, brothers and I, we'd go down to um, the house of some kids that lived down the street. A lot of us had that experience, you know, growing up. You'd be in each other's homes, and we'd go in uh, these, their living room, and uh, their dad would be in there watching TV. And all the time, just him and his tidy whities <laughs> No kid needs to see that. You just don't. You just don't. He, he would walk in the backyard that way. We'd just be like, you know, <laughs> seriously, just, just no, just no. And, uh, and, and those kind of experiences of, of we've all had them, of, of TMI. And usually, and it was, you know, for most of our lives, those of us that are, you know, older than 20, you know, it had to happen in a one-on-one a, a -on -one or a, some sort of uh, proximity to people. It was a relationship kind of thing. Now we live in a, a multimedia world where people can share everything. If you can get it out in 140 characters or less, you can tweet it or you can Facebook it or you can put it on YouTube. YouTube's motto, broadcast yourself, and people do. And they share all kinds of things. And, um, and so we have these kind of experiences. And why they stand out to us, at least to me, is because they're really not that common. We see them, but, but most of us don't do that. Most of us have that kind of a line that, that we, you know, it's, it may be gray a little bit because it's different for everybody. You know, what I share may be too much information for you, and what you share may be too much information for me. But, but as a whole, it's not something that we do um, with regularity. It's not something that we experience all the time. Most people kind of have a, a, a line in the sand in our lives, and we know we don't want to cross. Things that we want to keep to ourselves, that we don't want the world to know about. It's things that, that we don't want to share. And, and what that becomes is that becomes that split between the, the private and the public. You know, here's, here's the public, and, and here's what people can see and what, can, what can they can know about me, but, but there's that private side of me that, that I don't want anybody to know about, that I want to, to keep hidden. And, and the problem is sometimes we create a very false dichotomy between those two things. We assume that they're different and they're independent of each other, and they're not. And I think what, what Paul wants to challenge the church in Ephesus, what I think where we sometimes need to be challenged is that we need to sometimes, in the right circumstances and places, we need to blur the line a little bit and be a little bit more public than we might naturally be in appropriate ways as we live out our faith. As we understand that, that, that our private life, our worship, which would, we, a lot of times we would consider private and, and the things that we do um, in a... In a our expression of faith, that they absolutely must and should shape our, 
our, I mean, our public, and they, they should shape our private life. They should shape the way that we live before others, and we reveal ourselves to others. In some ways, we maybe in Christ need to do a little bit better job of, um, of broadcasting ourselves, of being a little bit more transparent, intentionally transparent in the light of Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about this light of Christ that, that, that chases away the darkness, but also illuminates. That's what light does. It illuminates. You turn on light so that you can see, you can navigate, that things can be revealed to us. And I think Paul's worried that, that there's a tendency sometimes as Christians is that we want to pull back too much. But we're called to, to live public lives of faith. And, and what does that mean and, and how do we begin to do that? Turning to the, the text here in Ephesians chapter 5, we find some, some characteristics of, of life in Christ that are, that are embedded here um, in the text. That, that mark our lives in Christ. And, and the first one is that, that we are called, uh, we're called to be wise. We are called to be wise in our, in our walk and in our faith with Christ, but, but the wisdom in faith looks a little different. In fact, verse 15, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, and here's the key, what the Lord's will is. You know, for, for us, wisdom looks different. We, we tend to assume and associate wisdom with intellect, with scholarship, with logic, with, with reason, if you will. And all of those are aspects of wisdom. Remember that Paul would say that the, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world because it's, it's different. It's a wisdom that comes through a connection with our Heavenly Father. It's wisdom that comes through being attuned to the Holy Spirit, which often moves us and reveals to us and speaks to us in ways that are beyond what is readily apparent, what is obvious, what is, well, and my father used to say, it's, it's kind of looking beyond the end of your nose, if you will, looking uh, into a much, much broader picture, but it comes through faith. And, and so that's what Paul wants to say to church. We seek wisdom, and our lives in Christ are marked by a wisdom, but it's a, a wisdom that comes through God's presence at work within us. In fact, in chapter, um, the very, very beginning of chapter 5, it says, follow God's example. Again, I said to you, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Wisdom looks like a life that is desiring to walk in that relationship with God, to walk into that, in that love of God. So it's a life marked by wisdom. It's a life marked by worship. It's a life marked by gratitude. Now, here's, here's where it's important to remember. Christianity kind of grew up, if you will, especially um, in the Roman Empire, where Paul would travel, and in Ephesus, and Galatia, and Corinth, uh, in, in a, uh, what we, we'd call a, a pagan religious uh, experience with pantheon of gods and with a very different understanding of human interaction with, with the gods. And so worship in that context was meant to appease the gods. The gods could be petulant, they could be petty, they could be... Um, uh, very vindictive. And so worship was birthed to try to keep them at bay, 
to, to keep the gods satisfied so they, in many ways, would, would leave you alone. So they wouldn't rain down um, judgment or anger or wrath upon you. And so that became the concept of, of um, the rituals around many of the religious experiences of the days in which Christianity was born. Paul and the church comes along and say, worship is very different for us. It looks very different for us. It is not an expression of appeasement to God, but it's an expression of gratitude to God. Because God has already rained down upon us, but not wrath and judgment, but grace and forgiveness. God has already bestowed upon us His love. And so worship for the church becomes an expression of gratitude. In fact, in the early church, as, uh, as we do when we worship in this service every time together, they would, ex- they would share communion. Every time they came together, they broke bread. And the, the term for communion, Lord's Supper, but it's also known as the Eucharist. Eucharist means thanksgiving. The, the, the chance to break bread, to share in that meal, was an expression of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. So the hearts were immediately oriented differently. It wasn't fear that drove faith. It was thanksgiving and praise that drove faith. And so that's why Paul says there in verse 19, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So, life in Christ, which is marked by wisdom through the Holy Spirit, which is marked by worship, gratitude, thanksgiving, that also becomes marked by being wayward. By being wayward. And that's the part that seems a little counterintuitive, that seems a little um, challenging to the way that we perceive faith. But we're to live a life that is wayward. Now, to understand that, we have to put away the definition of wayward. Because if you go read the definition, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a life that's off track. It's a life um, that is marked by uh, poor decisions. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. What, what Paul's talking about, what the church understood, it is a life that is marked as different. It is a life that is marked by an obedience to Christ that often flies in the, faith, in the face, I should say, of the way and the expectations of the world around us and the way that the world conducts life and, and business. It is different. Now understand, Paul over and over in the Gospels and the, the epistles, they want to make it very clear to those early Christians, as I think God wants to under, us to understand, is we are not better. We are different. And that's important. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. All stand in need of grace. We don't stand above. We stand apart. And part of what makes us stand apart is that obedience to the way of Christ, which is wayward which looks different, which challenges the ways of the world. This week, over and over, we have watched the news, continuing coverage of the massacre, the loss of life, the tragedy in South Carolina. I talked about it last week. I wrote about it in the newsletter. And if you are like me, over and over you have been moved, you have been blessed, you have been challenged, humbled by the faith of the families of those whose loved ones were so tragically taken from them, who were in an act of evil taken from them. And yet, as they stood at a video camera and they looked upon the face of this young man who did this unspeakable act of evil, what did they say over and over again? We forgive you. We forgive you. 
we pray for your repentance. It's not that they do not believe he should be held accountable, but they have lived a way of Christ which stands counter to the ways of the world because our nature, my nature in that moment screams for vengeance. My nature in that moment screams for retribution. But they remember the way of Christ which screams for compassion and love even in the face of evil. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Remember the way of Jesus was wayward. It challenged, it offended if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the left also. If someone takes your coat, cloak, give them your shirt as well. If someone demands you walk one mile, walk two. These were not words that were well received because they stood against the, the way of the world. But that's the way of Christ. I was moved by the words of, of Reverend Goff, who's the interim pastor there at Emmanuel AME Church, when he said, people expected us to riot and be violent, but they don't know who we are. We are a people of faith. We're a people of faith. And that faith calls us to a wayward life that stands against and apart from the expected ways of the world. It challenges us. I, I read an article this week, or a letter, I should say, from, from parents who were heartbroken because their children and their, had decided to, or their son and their, their daughter-in-law and their grandchildren had decided to move to the Middle East to serve in a medical mission to care for the refugees and the displaced in some of the most violent parts of the world today. And they were heartbroken because they were scared to death for their safety and their well-being. I understand that. You understand that. Because that choice makes no sense. Who in their right mind moves into violence or places of violence except for those who feel a call of Christ and a compassion for others even in the face of their own safety? It's a wayward way of life. It challenges us. I remember, and I told you before, our woman McManus years ago said, you know, of those missionaries and those who go into places, don't give them mental health counseling. Please don't do that. Because if you make them normal, they're not going. <laughs> they're not going to do it. You know? And I'm not saying Christians are the only ones who do things like that. Please don't. I'm not, again, not better than different. But it's why we do it. Because of our call in Christ. And those are the big examples. We see that all the time. Why do people give up a Saturday? to come and, and serve people that are hungry or give up their weeks to, to, to work in, in thrift stores or home or, or food soup kitchens or, or to do any of the number of things that we see and celebrate as ministry and mission. They have understood that a life that is wise in Christ, that is worshipful, which is full of grateful hearts, is going to be wayward and is going to, to live in a challenge to the ways of the world. That's who we're called to be. That's what Paul's talking about. Live in the light because the light illuminates. Let your light shine. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, remember, this is not about us glorifying ourselves. This is not about us putting ourselves on a pedestal so we'll be seen as, as wonderful examples of faith. But, but what does Jesus say? Let your light shine before others so that people will see your good works and do what? Give glory to your Father in heaven. That's who we're called to be. And see, my concern, my challenge for me is that we, we, we want to pull our, our life of faith and we want to make it this private thing that, that we don't show that that's, that's just between us and God. And yes, there is a part of your faith that is just between us and, your God, and God. But if it doesn't begin to illuminate your life, then you've missed the light of Christ, which comes to change and transform. 
which comes to move us so that we become a witness to the world of what a life in Christ looks like. And my concern is that too many of us, and, and I'll put myself in this place, we leave here and our lives look no different than anybody else's. The only difference in our life is we spend an hour here on Sundays or two hours. We've missed something. Our lives are to be illuminated, to radiate Christ. I mean, you've been outside on a night uh, when in the midst of, of the, the darkness, the, the, I mean, it almost becomes bright because of the, the, the light of the moon, the reflection of the moon. I mean, the difference if you camp or outside, the difference between a night when the clouds are out and there's no moonlight, no starlight, and the difference between when the, the moon is full and it's radiating that light, it's, it's remarkable. Well, we call it the moonlight, but we know there's no moonlight. The moon is just reflecting the light of the sun. Well, we are in the same way are called to reflect the light of the sun, to live our lives publicly, to live our lives, to, to blur some of that, maybe to be more visible, to be more vocal, to, to, to lessen that line between trying to pull back so that we can be seen. Again, I know that's a dangerous line, Will, because it's, it's in humility and gratitude, but that the world may see the God who we serve, the Christ who is at work within us. My challenge is we've pulled back too much from that and we're not willing to be visible. What does Paul say here in verse 14? He says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I think some of us need a wake-up call. Some of us need a wake-up call this morning. I need a wake-up call from time to time. I was thinking about that in, in light of these magnets that we got. And if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, uh, you may not have seen these, but we have them around, and you can take one if you'd like one. They're free, but they're these, they're the Parish United Methodist Church. You can put them on your car or your refrigerator. And, um, and I joked at the third service when Bethany made the announcement. Uh, I didn't do it in the first two services, but I said, now be aware, if you put this on your car, remember, it is on your car. When you were driving, you were advertising. So if somebody cuts you off, Wave to them with all five fingers, please. You know, that kind of a thing. Because, because we're humans and, and we need to be reminded. And if you didn't think for a moment when you put that on your car that, all right, this is on my car, um, you know. There's a, a story. I, may, I didn't plan on telling this, but you may have seen it. It's been going around the Internet. I've seen it before. But basically, lady who's in traffic in the car in front of her, you know, the light turns green and, and they're not paying attention. And so they miss the green and it turns red and she's behind him and she's honking the horn and she's screaming and she's flailing and she's doing all kinds of things. And all of a sudden the police officer comes up behind her and takes her and puts her in handcuffs and takes her to jail and books her and she's there for hours. And then they finally come and they said, oh, we're sorry, we're going to release you now. And she's like, well, what the heck? Why, why was I even here? And, and he says, well, I came up behind you and you were screaming and you were yelling and you were cussing, but I saw the um, what would Jesus do bumper sticker on your car. And, and I assumed the car was stolen. And, you know, that, you know, seriously, seriously. We have to think about this. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What would our life look like if this was tattooed to your forehead? And forget the Parish United Methodist Church part. That's secondary. I'm talking about the cross. It's on your chest. I mean, basically, the world knew every time you 
every encounter you had, every moment you experienced, every place you went, that you called yourself a follower of Jesus. How would your life look different? How would the places that you maybe don't want the public to see, how would that behavior change a little bit? We know Christ sees all things. But what if we could check in each other's lives at any given moment and any given time? The Truman Show. You know, what if that was your life or mine? How would it be different? Well, I think we need to begin to live a little bit more like that. As if this was right there all the time. Not just on our car and not just in those public places where we're willing to be identified, but in all places. That's what it means to begin to shine with the light of Christ. There's no place the light doesn't illuminate when we become reflections of his love and grace. When I was a kid, mom used to come into the bedroom when I was a little boy, my brothers and I, and she'd wake us up and she'd sing to us. She'd sing to us because it drove us crazy and we didn't want to get up and she loved to have fun with us, but she'd sing, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but uh, rise and shine. Rise and shine, give God the glory, glory, rise and shine, and give God the glory, glory. I think some of us need to rise and shine. I think we need to, to wake up from our slumber and allow the love of Christ to radiate in all things, in all places, and at all times. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your patience with us. Um, when we fail to reflect your love in a way that honors you, when we are not very wise through the Holy Spirit, when we certainly are not very worshipful, and when we're not very wayward in the ways that you've called us to be, challenge us, speak to us, remind us of your grace and your forgiveness and your continued call forward, and help us to live lives that radiate your love, that reflect your light, and the way in which we're called to live in Christ. We pray in his holy name. Amen.